Hey friends, happy to be back with you all for our 10th episode, this time with a friend, Hong Kong-based Simi Ling, who was the ultimate voice nudging me to finally start this podcast after mulling over it for a couple years, all through an Akashic reading she gave me a couple months ago. What is an Akashic reading? Do we all have an Akashic record? This podcast episode with Simi will be your gateway into the art of the Akasha, the space between things and the cosmic Google Drive of your whole entire life. Every limitation we feel, you know, during work and personal life and our relationship, it's a really great invitation that our soul gives us to really look at our lives. And once we are aware of that, that's the first important step to make changes. So the information that I channel comes from the client's soul and their spirit guides and the Akashic records. It's really like you having coffee with your spirit guides and your spirit team. Asking about life questions or anything that bothers you or anything that you try to gain clarity on. If there's anything that needs to be released, the blockage that you feel right now comes from, say, your childhood or a past life. We just don't stop there. You know, after we know that information, there's ways to release whatever emotions, conditioned beliefs that needs to be released so that you don't repeat that pattern or you don't create more of that anymore. After feeling burnt out and lost in her contemporary art career, Simi Ling called it quits in 2016 and backpacked around the world to search for the meaning of life. Her spiritual awakening started with a mind-blowing past life regression session in Bali, moving her to her calling to help people liberate themselves from all limitations and live freely. Through her inspiration with hypnosis, channeling and reading the Akashic records, energy healing and yoga, she successfully healed herself time and time again on a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level. And as a result, her reality shifted drastically. She is now inspired to share her self-healing experiences and teachings which are channeled from the heart so that people can discover their true power and step into their life purpose. She firmly believes that everyone can access their inner wisdom and heal themselves. It is her true passion to share her experience as well as share the overall techniques of the healing arts with her clients, students, and a much broader audience through social media. Simi is the founder of Sim Sim Ling Awakening Studio, an Akashic Records teacher and consultant, a certified quantum healing hypnosis technique level two practitioner, a Sikkim Sikkim Reiki master practitioner, a Psyche facilitator, and a yoga instructor. We welcome Simi Ling to the table. Tell us exactly what it is that you do. I am a spiritual teacher. I teach Akashic Records and how it connects people back to their hearts and to their truth. And I'm also a Reiki practitioner and a hypnotherapist. My work is basically just helping people really connect with their truth and come back to who they're supposed to be. Everyone actually have access to themselves. Mm. And so I don't tell people how to live their life or I don't just give advice based on my knowledge. It's actually from their wisdom. Right. The wisdom that it's like everyone has already inside of them. So I just help them to bring that out and tell themselves that so they can act on it. 
I've never really experienced a Kaushik reading. I mean, I've heard about it mm. before this year. We met for the first time in March of this year, mm. where you were able to do my Akashic reading. Such an honor. Thank you. Mm. You, I was introduced by a mutual friend. We already had that kind of connection by one degree or something, or two degrees. So I felt really comfortable about that. Mm. So from your perspective, mm. what is an Akashic reading? There is this concept exists where there is a massive sort of cosmic database that records every soul's journey from the very beginning to right now in the now moment and also all the possibilities that goes across. And that is called a person's Akashic records. Some people would say that it exists on a higher dimension somewhere, just like a Google Drive, with the name of the person, which is the unique sort of code. Mm -hmm. Then an experienced reader can access that and retrieve information through channeling and intuition, like intuitive promptings, to let out the wisdom that is within. You know, depends on what the client is asking. But for me, the more I work with the records, the more I realize that it is just us all along, like our soul, our, you, you know, some people call it oversoul or your soul essence. It's the bigger you that has been giving you this information. So it's not something like a higher spirit trying to tell you how to live your life or some spiritual guru in another dimension trying to pass down the wisdom. Well, that too. But then mainly uh, when one comes to the session, it's really their soul telling them this is the desire that you always want you know or this is the talent that you always knew you have but maybe your ego just tells you you don't have the confidence or you're not skilled enough or something basically the session is to just bring out all these truths through a third person which is the reader or the consultant as i would like to call it so that you know the client leaves with clarity with confidence and sometimes with healing and a release of whatever that doesn't serve them anymore it's a really powerful thing to have access to does everybody have access to their akashic reading without having to work with an akashic reader absolutely we actually all have access already it's just a matter of we're conscious about it there may be some intuitive uh, information coming to you maybe during your meditation maybe during your run or in the shower a lot of times so we're receiving a lot of these signs and synchronicity every day but the matter is are we conscious about them first of all are we paying attention and also do we know how to interpret them to like what it means to us a, a lot of people they never have to you know work with the records because they they trust their intuition and their instinct and they just go for it and you know they don't let fear you know hold them back and then so they they they're doing you know out there really living their life and doing great things but for others and most of us we we would have some kind of fear trying to hold us back even though we've been receiving a lot of these information these uh, intuitive promptings do we have the faith to trust that we actually know what's going on or do we need a third person sort of guiding you and like help you maybe gain even more clarity or putting the dots together then that's where a consultant comes and you also do reiki 
What is Reiki? So Reiki, I, I personally do something called Sekhem, which is a the energy stream from the ancient Egypt sort of frequencies, and also Usui Reiki, which is the worldwide sort of well-known Japanese sort of branch. They're basically all of these life force energy. It's coming from source or streaming from everywhere in nature. It's all around us, whether we know it or not. But to use Reiki for healing is to direct these energies from nature for the benefits of the client's health, whether it is on the physical level, on you know mental, emotional, or spiritual level, to really replenish whatever we need so that we can raise our frequencies, vibrations, and also open up ourselves to hold more lights within ourselves. Let, let's go back to the Akashic thing. Mm-hmm. Who came up with the word Akashic? There's a modern practice, mm. I'm sure, and there, and there are many Akashic readers globally, mm. I'm mm. sure, I assume. Who came up with it? Is there a school? Is there a lineage of study for this? Or what is it? So the word Akashic actually comes from Akasha in Sanskrit, which means space between things that we can see or particles or molecules there's always space right and that's basically the very important sort of unit that makes up the whole universe it's basically everything that we don't see in between so that's where all the wisdom and information like comes from it's a very apt description i don't exactly know who coined the word but i think the most famous channeler of that is uh, edgar case Edgar Casey. Yeah, Edgar Casey. Yeah. Yes. He's. um, I think he popularized it. Yes. In the twentieth century. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. So he's famous for basically channeling a lot of information from the clients of Karshik Records and the universe to talk about you know all the wisdoms and healings and you know purpose of humanity in that way and it also works on a lot of healing methods through the Akasha records so we often would meet a client know their problem and then go into the records to get exactly the root cause of their health problems and then to issue things to eat and then you know all natural therapy or like stuff they need to do in order to you know heal themselves I really like this approach and I find it really empowering it lets us know that the wisdom that we all seek is within us and also we have the power to really be in control of our body to heal ourselves completely whatever that issue is you know whether it's in the past something happened to you that you're already willing to let go of but then it seems to always come back up or a health issue that we thought it was just isolated as a health issue but then it's actually have an emotional cause behind it and then by resolving that you know the whole problem can just disappear i've heard the word akashic records Mm -hmm. i've also heard the word akashic library Mm -hmm. so the word akashic you said is from the word akasha which Mm -hmm. means space to me 
when I first heard about the concept of Akashic Library or Akashic Reading, I was thinking maybe a huge classical Greek-style, yep. Roman-style yep. library mm-hmm. with tons of books mm-hmm. about everyone mm-hmm. and everything. And then maybe there's a section on me or on my soul <laughs> where everything is written down. Mm-hmm. In my mind, everything from my past, like past lives, past selves, past iterations, and my future selves future lives future it's all being written down where does the concept of free will come in Mm. if everything has already been written down Mm. that's such a great question (laughs) jj amazing that's why i have a podcast thanks to (laughs) you but we'll talk about that later Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Free will is something that all souls come on earth has. It's a very special thing, meaning, you know, no matter what soul prearrangement that we signed on, what soul contracts that we signed on with other souls, once we down here, we have the absolute right to override anything. We, it gives us freedom, but also responsibility for ourselves. Do we follow what we want at the moment or do we follow the inner wisdom that we deep down know what's best for us like overall your question was like if we already have so much prearranged before how can we have free will i just feel like all the books have been written Mm. about our past selves our present self and our Mm. future self in this akashic record is their free will Mm, absolutely so what happens is what I just said is that we have the when we come down we have a pre-written sort of script for the life that we arrange for ourselves but then once we come down we can always change that that's why the present moment comes in very strong is that every moment in the now should we decide that okay this is no longer what I want to do for example yes my profile and my sort of life design told me that okay Okay, I'm going into arts, for example, and then I'll be, you know, working to learn these lessons and then to, you know, meet these souls and then have relationship with these people. But then once I am aware of the lessons within, I can choose not to actually go through the pain within which is just repeating the patterns before based on our initial air quotes design and to have the power in our own hands and say okay i totally recognize the pattern right now so i don't need to learn this anymore because i want to release this pattern completely i'm gonna start something new like take the power back to my own hands and then you know say no to things that doesn't serve me or like people that don't it's not for our highest good or relationships or jobs and then be like okay i'm gonna start something new and i'm just released and when you say that the universe respond by stopping that pattern for you right and then maybe starting a new book yes starting a new book starting a new chapter as you were talking i also had a vision in my mind that like maybe the book is being written as I am breathing every second oh, yes. and making a decision. Oh. I kind of see like a pen on a paper mm-hmm. with a handwriting. Yes. And it's being written with every pathway I take. All of the chapters and all of the books exist mm-hmm. from now until like eternity. Mm-hmm. But I also imagine that some pages are kind of empty. Some mm-hmm. There are some gaps between chapters that I can fill in myself with uh, all of the range of 
possibilities, mm -hmm. all of the waves of possibilities that exist. Like the details we mm -hmm. can figure out on our own with free will. Mm-hmm. And so, that is why you have a podcast. You describe it so well. <laughs> so organized. But I'm also a very visual person, right? So, you know, before I wanted to become a designer or architect, I wanted to be like a comic book artist oh. and or worked in sci-fi. I also wanted to be a painter, a fashion designer. Mm. Point being, my mind is chock full of images mm -hmm. and, and visual. For me, the best thing that I can explain about anything, really, any abstract concept is through... a translation of images mm. because it's like my artist self mm. maybe well we can help each other out we're going to go on break but when we come back we will talk about how does one become an akashic reader like simi we'll be right back So literally the image that you just described having a book empty and then have your pen in your hand and just you know write whatever you want that's literally one of the imageries that I got in the session for myself I was gonna start something new and then I was asking so please tell me please guide me through this and then by by them I, I mean I'm asking for my higher self to guide me through it because they're all-knowing and then they just show me this picture with a blank book with a pen in my hand and they say this is your manual that I'm like but there's no words in it so what do I do it's like exactly write everything that you want you know and then create whatever you want I'm like this is not very helpful for my ego self because I'm like so what does it mean it, it means we have the absolute freedom to create the life that we want and how whatever we want to do there's no wrongs and there's no failures like every part every step that you make is a lesson and it gives you more fuel to going forward you know to put it in a life perspective it's exactly the same nothing is being controlled or like pre-written that can you know the word fates you know that people have in that concept that oh that means you know my life is all written now I'm supposed to do this or that or marry that person or like be this kind of thing this is a lot of times limiting what we imagine for ourselves where in our heart there's this restlessness or this promptings to, that we want to create something more we want to challenge ourselves we want to transform into something different from what we already done that is sort of the driving force behind our evolution through all these spiritual methods we get access to so that we can actually lead ourselves from a higher perspective and blossom into whatever unknown that we want to create, which is super exciting. It's funny that you also speak about the tactical nature of writing on a piece of paper, that whole thing that it's unwritten, like the I know that Natasha Bedingfeld song, Unwritten, where, I mean, that's a form of, I guess, law of attraction, creating your own destiny, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that is a more tactile and old school way of thinking. I was also thinking of a computer. You build a computer in a certain way, but how the computer works or how the computer uses itself is Every computer is different. Let's say, let's imagine an office where there's like 50 Dell computers. They're all the same specification, but how they work with humans and how they interact and what you do with that computer, the lifetimes, 
how that computer evolves and everything is very different for each situation. So maybe all of the library, all of the books, what has been written, pre-written, what will be, what what is written about the future or whatever. It's like a framework maybe where there are some specifications, there's this and that. Obviously, as you mentioned, soul contract, I came to this earth to be born in a certain country, to be born with a certain family, to be born in a certain gender, sex, religious upbringing, societal structure. But how you blossom as you say, or how you write the book based on that is your free will Mm. really up to you. So maybe that's a little bit better than the computer analogy because (laughs) we're not computers. Well, maybe we are. Some people think this is all like a a computer simulation, but that's going to be a different podcast. (laughs) How does one become an Akashic reader? Very good question, JJ. (laughs) So first of all, everyone can do it. It's like everyone can meditate. It's really the same thing. To practice, to connect with your heart's truth and to read the languages and signs of how your soul communicates with you and how your spirit guides communicate with you and to distinguish the difference between what your minds come up with and what your hearts come up with. So that these are the main sort of methods that we start to train ourselves into receiving again the truth of our soul. You know, you notice why children, like say from the age of like babies to up to maybe seven years old, they're so pure and like so precious is because they have no filters. Whatever comes through their mind and feelings is they just express it. And then later on in life with the societal conditioning, then we sort of close that off. Uh, I, I just want to add on to that, that I did a hypnotherapy session with somebody, only the only one time in my life where I did it. And she said that zero to seven years old is like building the operation system of a computer, mm-hmm. the OS. And how you run after seven years old is basically based on the OS that was built in those formative years. Mm. Anyway, maybe similar. Yeah, no, that's a very good point to come in. And that's basically why we sign on to to be in the family that we are in and in the backgrounds that we grow up. It's because in those times, we're really like a sponge, right? To absorb as much conditioned beliefs as we could. You know, when we hear it back now, I'm like, why do I stuff so much crap in my mind? You know, so much limitation. But then as a child, you know, we're designed to be so open for the purpose so that we can absorb all these conditioned beliefs and to put into our operation system so that we can transcend them later on in life or, when we or, realize. Or use them. Mm. To love. I love that. Or use them to love others or use them to... People have used these conditioned beliefs to hate Mm -hmm. or to create wars. And what I love about what's going on in the world right now is people are using their differences to figure out how to build bridges. That's my observation. That's so well put. But I'm an optimist. (laughs) Me too. I'm, I'm an optimist. So that's how I view things. Other people may view it differently, but that's how I view it. 
It's definitely a happier view. Yeah, <laughs> Gives yeah. you more hope. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and leads you to create a happier place, like for sure. So yeah, people are pleased to have optimism. Right. <laughs> so speaks you specifically. Did you grow up in a religious household? I, I, I asked this for all my guests because you yeah. Know, but I I am curious. It's what mm-hmm. I'm interested in. So, but how does one who is now a practicing Akashic reader? What kind of childhood did they have? Actually, my par- parents call themselves atheist because I go to a, a Protestant school whatever and then they're always preaching right and then you're know, trying to get you into this religious group gatherings and then whatever I was like oh I like that idea of having a god and having someone taking care of me and you know be all present and wise and I told them and they would like look at each other and then look at look at me like I always knew Simi's going to be religious like, like, <laughs> like that's a bad thing yeah I'm like, okay, what does that mean? I really like one thing about my parents is that they really encouraged me to critically think about what I believe in. They don't know that they're doing that, by the way, but bless them. And they're just always challenging me to think, why do you believe that there's a God, you know, that gives you all the power? And they didn't finish with the other part, which is, why don't you believe that the power is within yourselves? Thinking about that's what they're thinking, because they think they can always create their own destiny. And, and my dad did. He's a senior management in a American company back in the days. And it was also within the rising period of the Hong Kong economy so that he's doing really well for himself as an immigrant child from China. So very, very encouraging story. That leads him to really think about that he's in control of his destiny and he passed that down to me. I grew up thinking, yeah, there's nobody to rely on but ourselves. And through my growing up experience, because I'm the only child and I'm also so a adopted child for me and I knew this when I was eight years old so I found out on my birth certificate one day I was like start actually reading what's on it and then I saw the word adopted and then I look at the my um, friend next to me and see do you have that on your certificate I was like no and I was like looking back at mine I'm like okay there's something special about this what does it mean is that what i think it means so when i got home i asked my parents so what does it mean like why why is it adopted so they look at each other and they sat me on the sofa and tell me really gently and nicely that yes they did uh, take me back home with them so kindly from an orphanage and then since i was like eight months old so i don't really remember anything and it's like, it's the same. Like, we love you all the same. And like my little brain back then was like so shocked. I don't know what it means, but I think I know what it means. But also there seems to be nothing different because, you know, I, I don't really know life before coming home with them. So I think you felt it was weird because that made you special. Mm. That's my assumption. Yeah. But did it give you a sense of liberation and relief that you are untied? to any bonds I'm not you so I'm only guessing but if that was me I would be thinking like oh great then I am untied to any of your cultural spiritual not, not, I wouldn't say karma but like I wouldn't I, I am now I can now free myself and liberate myself from any perceived identity or burdens mm. 
of whatever this family I grew up in. Because then, I, okay, I could only say that because I am in a family of, there's five of us. I'm the fourth sibling, right? Being a nature of being gay, my family are first generation immigrants to the States from the Philippines. So they all immigrated. But because of some situation or another, I didn't grow up with my family. I grew up with my grandparents. I didn't really know my family until I was eight. It was only when I was eight years old that I moved to the States to live with the rest of my family. But because I was, my operating system was put together under my grandparents in the Philippines from zero to eight without the guidance of my actual parents mm. and my siblings. I already felt liberated, even when I moved to the States to move with them, that I didn't have to attach myself to the way they do things. That's why when people are wondering if I'm from Hong Kong or if my family's from Hong Kong, I said, no, I moved here on my own volition. I, I love my family to bits, but I can live in Hong Kong without any attachment to anybody. I love them, but I don't need to talk to them every day. I don't need to be attached to them. Mm. I can do my own thing and it's fine. Maybe I chose a life where I can be a black sheep. Maybe you chose a life where you can be adopted. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And have parents without overburden or overbearing spiritual beliefs on you, mm. but also learn about God source through a religious school because you wouldn't get that in the household. Wow, that's a very fresh way of looking at it. Thank you, JJ. For me, it's kind of maybe it's the reverse of it. I felt like I don't actually have a air quotes roots because you know the, my family's not actually my biological family, but they are my family. In my little mind, I was a bit confused. So who am I? So that question started early. It also triggers a lot of the core lessons that I come to learn, to, like I chose for myself, which is abandonment issues. And also tr to trying to find who I am. I, my whole teenage years is basically, I mean, that's for everyone to try to find their identity and who they are. But I think it was maybe a bit extra um for me to trying to really identify who I am because I always felt that because of this and my natural quirkiness and the things that I'm interested in makes me very different from my my surroundings and my peers. It was a burden, I would say, for me more than liberation from a young age because, you know, you're trying always trying to fit in. And I go to quite a conservative school as well, where traditionally people, well, some people may call it somewhat an elite school in Hong Kong, which, you know, people grow up to become, you know, in a great professions and make a lot of money and social status and all of that. And I'm, I was I wasn't interested in none of that. When everyone's trying to raise their hand and tell the teacher, "Oh, I want to be a doctor and a lawyer and all those things," I'm like, "I want to restore historical paintings in Italy." You know, like totally outlandish thing. I guess that uh, that also sort of brings up my rebellious side as well as to you know, with all these traditional confinements, and my parents are a quite traditional Chinese family as well. I feel like I always urge myself to break out of that's why the the word black sheep i really resonate it's that you know within this very conservative structure as a female in this lifetime how do i break out of it and create you know my own thing looking back i really love all these heritage that my family gives me and even still you know till today they and and another thing is they're really they're conservative but they're very liberal at the same time as that they don't care 
what I study. They don't care, you know, if I like make a lot of money. They just want me to be happy and doing what I love. So even though I first told my dad a few years ago that, okay, I'm gonna give up my career, travel around the world, and he was like, I do not understand that, but okay, <laughs> we support you. And then when I told him, oh, I did this mind blowing session in past life regression session in Bali, and I want to become a hypnotherapist, he was like, I do not understand one bit, but okay, we support you. So that is the. Unconditional love that they gave me that I really treasure. Life is about trying to fit in into communities, right? And then breaking out, and then fitting in, and then breaking out. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about abandonment because I have abandonment issues too. But also finding community. We'll be right back. I appreciated the fact that I was left alone with my grandparents until I was, I was eight. I mean, I could appreciate that now, being who I am now, because I've always thought that because I didn't have my family around, because they were trying to build a life in the states, right?、Mm-hmm. I was a toddler, so that was why it was probably difficult to bring me there.、Mm-hmm. Basically, my Concept of home has shifted. My home is not where my parents or my family lives. My home is where I make it. That is the plus side of my upbringing. But the negative side is I had like really deep rooted subconscious abandonment issues. Probably back then when I everybody had their moms and dads, I was wondering where mine was.、Mm-hmm. But I only you know discovered that I had these issues through hypnotherapy. The home that I make for myself is a wherever I'm at. In the world,、mm-hmm. and be whoever my network of friends are,、mm-hmm. wherever I am. Yeah, like for me, it's the same. I totally resonate with that. I've been really sort of racking my brain trying to find a solution, I suppose, or like where my home is. You know, of the adopted situation that sort of totally triggered me, thinking that it's somewhere around the world. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a tribe I need to、uh, connect with. After I traveled, I backpacked around the world for a year and a half. Is that I still haven't find that, but that leads me to a realization that it's really within me. It's not something that I need to seek. So I can live very happily in a Chilean winery with you know people that I just met for a month. Or I can be very blissfully happy building a community in Hong Kong, or really anywhere around the world. I think that's really what this life experience have trained us, right? Is to really look within ourselves, you know, be comfortable with who we are, expressing it, and then the like-minded people would just magnetically be appear and be attracted, and that works wherever we are. It's it's therapeutic in the sense that it helps me know that I have always have myself to rely on, but also when I express myself fully, the universe and your tribes or people that loves you responded, and they would just magically come to you. That's amazing. I think it's also good to understand that if you want it, if if it's something that 
you really feel you should have in your life. You'll have people to support, not necessarily like the traditional family, but you're a chosen family. Mm. You know, there's like a Rina Sawayama song called Chosen Family. And I think that's basically what this is about, mm. where you pick and choose the family that will help you to the next stage in life, mm. the next growth in life. I could tell you in Hong Kong, I've had like three or four groups of friends, but that's because it's Hong Kong and that's because people come and go. It's like, and that's fine. You meet people, whether it be partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends, pastors, whatever, spiritual healers, trainers who will help you at a certain point of your life. But it doesn't mean they have to be there with you forever. You just have to accept the fact that family is a nebulous thing. It's not your family that you've grown up with all your life and they could be there with you because blood is thicker than water for sure. But at the same time, not everybody's family is for them. Maybe they want to separate from tragic history of a family bloodline or DNA or whatever because they have that choice. Mm -hmm. So then you find a group of friends who is your new chosen family for a certain point of time. Some of them stay forever and some come and go. Speaking of transformation, what were you doing before your spiritual awakening? Because that's your Instagram, right? Sim Sim, what's it? Sim Simling. At Sim Simling. Awakening. Awakening, right? I'll, I have that in the show notes. Well, what were you doing before spiritual awakening? And what was your spiritual awakening? Actually, I have a distinct moment where I would call it the first awakening moment is after my travel, which is about three, four years now. Yeah. And um, so it was in Bali. It was like a, a string of synchronicity that makes me sort of lose the job that I was doing at the time. My friend just hooked me up with this job in a marketing in a wine company, which I never tried before. I'm like, okay, I'm game, let's see. And then that turns out to be not suitable for me. I manifested this scenario where somehow within the matter of 10 days before I need to go to Bali to attend my friend's wedding, my company decided that they let me go immediately with a month compensation of salary. So like suddenly I have all the time that I want, I have the extra pay. So I'm like, woo, like one way ticket to Bali. After the wedding, I stay behind for an extra month for the first time in a while that I'm traveling alone, but not traveling as in going sightseeing and doing all this exciting stuff, but just stay in nature, be by myself, journaling, you know, swimming in the ocean and like just meeting new people every day and have these reflective time which prepare me for when I got to Ubud. I did my first meditation workshop where I first saw light. When I saw light in in the meditation, I'm like, no, this is can it be? Like what? Light meaning like a metaphysical light or a real light? Metaphysical light. So it's, I don't know, is it? Well, it's real. It's <laughs> real. Sure. Especially when your eyes are closed, right? It's yes. all over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like a soft spotlight in front of my third eye. The teacher at the time was giving a diksha, which is like a blessing or flight. And I literally, like, we were sitting in a circle and everyone has their eyes closed, right? So I literally, with my eyes closed, saw a bulb of light moving from the right-hand side in front of me and stop 
and like transferred the energy to me and then moved away. When we came back, everyone was like talking about it. So I'm definitely not the only person that saw it and like hallucinating or something. That was my first moment introduced into this metaphysical world in a conscious sense. Shortly after I met someone there that really raved about their past life regression session that they just did and normally the the therapist is booked out but I was able to get a spot like two days after so I'm like okay let's go and in that session and this is the session that I would say heal at least 80% of my abandonment issue because that led me back to a past life where I understand I chose this pattern and it's happening more than one lifetimes. It really resonates with what we just talked about, which is to find the family and the sort of support all within ourselves. Once we recognize the power that we have within us and that we are safe and we always can attract and create all the support and love that we want, then it doesn't matter what your circumstances is. They just trying to remind you once again that it is possible to build all of this on your own and because you are that powerful of a creator. That concept was first introduced to me, so it was like mind-blowing. And it comes in the form of a story as well. It's like watching a story unfold. In, in my case, it was like I asked about this specific soulmate that like, this guy that I was really attracted to, but I cannot logically understand the attraction. It runs so deep. Uh, even we just met like for a very, very short time. Turns out we were brothers in the wartime Germany. I think it's the Second World War. And then our mother, to keep us safe, she needs to leave us uh, with our grandfather in a hidden spot in Germany while she needs to travel with her new family to the States for sa her own safety. In our mind, we were abandoned but then in her perspective is out of love. Like the young child, in that story, I was about 10 years old, a 10 year old boy. I, I couldn't understand that decision and I hold grudge in my soul that, you know, I was abandoned and that was the story that I was attached to. And then in that session, I was meeting with the mother at the time and she explained it to me and we reconciled you know all the tears were shit i was like crying like crazy during the session in the hypnotic uh, hypnotic state and then i also met this brother which is this guy that i just mentioned we were being so close at the end uh he saw me died without able to save me so he hold a deep regret and so that's why we arranged to meet this time around and then we feel that instant sort of closeness i was like okay like my logical mind's so doubtful at that time but i'm like okay if this story actually my mind was still like my logical mind is telling me to okay just take this with a grain of salt uh, maybe I've imagined this, which is uh, what, what the first question a lot of clients ask me these days. It's like, you know, or am I imagining things? I can guarantee you that you did not imagine anything because then you just have this intuitive knowing within you and the emotions that come up. Like we can't fake out emotions. Like you feel what you feel if it makes you 
cry and like feel a great like you're moved by emotion that's definitely real but if this helps me in such a deep level to release so much of my emotion because right after I feel like much lighter I feel like there's like uh, bags of rice rice bags being like relieved from me and that is priceless right so your awakening was in Bali right so there's a couple things I wanted to touch up on basically also, if you hear voices in the background, it's because we are doing this podcast session at our friend Ken Locks, um, who's another shamanic space. Yes. shamanic practitioner, sacred space, and he has another class in another room. So thank you, Ken. Ken Locke, who I'll have on the show soon. The first thing I wanted to say is, you know, I think, yeah, sometimes you feel like you have a job or an opportunity you want to do. So you got that wine job or you feel like you have to do a job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you get a job and then you get fired. Yeah. And then you actually have to go to Bali. You know, what you think is actually a shitty situation from a, what you thought was an opportunity mm-hmm. is actually probably a ticket, mm-hmm. right? Because if you didn't have that extra month, you wouldn't have stayed in Bali and you wouldn't have extracted yourself from from limitations perceived limitations and sometimes when you want to have a spiritual experience or you want to have an eye-opening experience you just have to leave the place that has a lot of daily restrictions because you have a process that you go about your day but if you go about your day a certain way your eye and your brain is probably not flexible enough to be open to different kinds of inspiration so that's why a lot of people love traveling it's not that you need to travel to have an eye-opening experience it's the fact that you have actually extracted yourself from the day-to-day Mm-hmm. That probably keeps you stressed enough not to be flexible to have those eye-opening experiences. So that's that Bali story resonates with me because a lot of my aha moments are actually through leaving Hong Kong and, mm-hmm. and traveling and seeing the world or going to museums or mm-hmm. going to churches or going to Bali, going to a beach, going into the, to the jungle, signing up for a class, signing up for a painting class, going to a meditation, you know, or doing a yoga, a group yoga class in another city. You never know who you're going to meet and you never know what you think when you're in those different places. Mm-hmm. So that is my first thing that I wanted to bring up. And the second thing I wanted to bring up is the concept of hypnotherapy. Mm. And I I did it once. I'm like, how do I know that what I'm seeing is actually has happened in a past mm. life or what I'm seeing is actually real? And it, it doesn't matter because it may be real or it may be archetypes or it may be avatars. But as long as you're able to have a breakthrough, they may be symbols. You know, the, you, okay, you may be in j- j- Germany may be an archetype. Uh, that mother or the brother may be an archetype. It may not have happened, but it, it is a representation or a sy- yeah. symbol. And then that's when Freud comes in, Carl mm-hmm. Jung comes in, all of these things. So it is another form of breakthrough therapy for a lot of people. Not uh, I'm not sure for all, but for a lot of people. And that's what happened to you when you had your eye-opening experience. But when we come back, we'll talk about the process of getting an Akashic reading done and how, how that works. We'll be right back. Every 
limitation we feel, you know, during work and personal life and our relationship, it's a really great invitation that our soul gives us to really look at our lives. And once we are aware of that, that's the first important step to make changes because we know we create create our reality. So once we're aware of it, we can just really look into it and find the opposite of it. And that is the direction that would help us create a happier life and more fulfilling life, fulfilling relationship. I think a lot of people want to break the matrix. When you say our everyday nine to five lives or nine to six or nine to seven, that is programming. And maybe society is programming it for you, your your religion, your family, your church, whatever. You need to do this. You need to be this. You, you need to have this kind of body. So we need to do this and this and this. That's called programming. And that is a form of matrix. How do you get out of it? Take a different path in the morning. Or as you said, meditate. Um, meditate is the easiest way every day to stop what it is you're doing and to kind of check out of the matrix a lot of people don't believe in meditation. And you know what? For me, I've been doing it for like 11, like so many years. I honestly feel that that is the space that I carve. And it's not a physical space. It is a mental head space that I carve out myself to say, look, this is five to 11 minutes of my day where I don't need to buy into the programming. And I am liberating my mind and myself to, to think other thoughts mm-hmm. or not think any thoughts. Yes. You know, so we breathe, we break out of it and we like take a stop and pause and move on. And then when we come out of meditation and come back into this matrix, we can be like, okay, it's not as bad as I had imagined. Right. It's like a mini vacation. Like you don't need to fly anywhere, but you just check out and then you look at it from a broader perspective. Okay, this is my life right now. How am I feeling? You know, if you feel any uneasiness, you're like, you are able to look into that. It's like a stop of a game. Right. You know, the time break. And then once you go in, you're like, okay, now I know what to do. So that's where like sort of a fresh perspective come in. I want to quickly explain how we met. We met through a mutual friend and a few of my friends have already had Akashic readings. Before my Akashic reading with you, I've had hypnotherapy. The difference between hypnotherapy and Akashic reading is in hypnotherapy, it is exactly what you think it is. You lie down on the bed and you close your eyes and then you regress to whatever. And then you explain your journey. In an Akashic reading, I actually don't have to do anything. I am still 100% conscious. I am not in a hypnotic mode. I am not asleep. I'm not lying down. I'm sitting on a chair. Could be a chair in a garden. Could be a chair in a house. Wherever everybody feels comfortable, right? I have my cell phone with me because I have the record button. And you actually, for the full hour or hour and a half, you are talking, And we are recording the whole session. And it's just you talking. I'm asking questions. It is like having coffee or tea with a friend. And everybody's awake, right? And you are channeling messages. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a very, very good description of what happens. It's actually two people sitting there having a very, very conscious conversation. So the information that I channel comes from the client's soul and their spirit guides and the Akashic records will be there. There's these 
librarians, if you call them, that they help retrieving information regarding to the specific questions that you ask, relay it to your spirit guides, and then, you know, in turn, you know, been given through the consultant and conveyed to the client. It's really like you having coffee with your spirit guides and your spirit team, asking about life questions or anything that bothers you or anything that you're trying to uh, gain clarity on if there's anything that needs to be released the blockage that you feel right now comes from say your childhood or a past life we just don't stop there you know after we know that information there's ways to release whatever emotions conditioned beliefs that needs to be released so that you don't repeat that pattern or you don't create more of that anymore so a lot of time after the session clients feel instantly relieved relaxed you know the stress is out of the window and they gain more clarity career or life or relationship direction that they need to act out or like carry out in their life when you hear the spirit guides is it like an actual physical voice or is it like a mental voice or what is it like is it one ear over another ear that's a great question for everybody actually everyone can does that so it's like swimming you can train yourself to swim very well for everybody it's like our five senses you know our sight our hearing our our bodily senses so there's like different ways in this sort of spiritual reception as well for some people it might be having a vision when they close or open their eyes they have maybe having a bodily sensation where a part of their body feels tight and when they tie that in into other spiritual information say the chakra system or color therapy then they will convey the meaning from there and some people hear angels speaking to them directly or your spirit guy speaking sounds that just remind them of something and most people have this this sense of knowing that they don't know why they think about certain things at that particular time but that thought just come up or that emotion just come up that reminds them of something. These are all the senses that I use when I do my session is that for some magical reason, I actually, half of these I learn, but then half of it is it's just built in already. I'm just remembering how to use these senses to convey a message. To combine all of these, suddenly you recognize maybe when a client asks a question about maybe about their work, I suddenly just come up with this image of a child playing with his mother in a playground. It was joyful time. You know, it was a certain kind of day. So that may come through vision. And then suddenly I may hear something like a siren in the background. And then I have a knowing that, oh, something bad is happening in the family. All these information come together in a matter of maybe a few seconds and just combines into a meaningful story that I use, I, I tell the clients to convey a message that their spirit guides want to want them to know. So for me specifically, my question was about career, I think. It was through this question that you helped prompt me to think about sharing my esoteric or my spiritual self to others, which has nothing to do with my career, but you said it has everything to do with my career. And I didn't even ask about podcasts or anything. You're the one who brought that up. But in my mind, I've been thinking about having a podcast for the last two years. It could be a simple question. It could be, am I doing the right job? 
Am I with the right family? Am I with the right person? Am I in the right city? And then the conversation could go any matter of ways, right? Absolutely. And that's why I always encourage my clients to just ask the question, have that intention, but then just leave it and be open to receive whatever wisdom their soul wish to convey. Because in that way, you gain much more. One thing in common, it's pretty much guaranteed is that, no, it's absolutely guaranteed they to correct me <laughs> my soul guy, my soul corrected me is that it is guaranteed a hundred percent wisdom that suits you something may sound very surprising to you say for jj's instant it's the podcast that he's been thinking about but he wasn't thinking about it at the moment of our conversation and i have absolutely no idea i just met him once before that session, we didn't have any deep conversation about either of our lives back then. And then he decided, so grateful for that, to take a leap of faith and do this session with me. And then these information just come to me. And this has been happening again and again in all my sessions. And I learned to trust the information that came through is that I don't need to know, you know, your background. I just need to know your questions, what you want to know. And then your your soul would just convey it's always reliable and sometimes people may not immediately understand the information that they receive but then they always come back to me maybe a few weeks later a few days later even months later telling me that oh my god i now understand what that means when we have our session and you know these things happen these synchronicity happens these opportunities like opened up it's really like important meeting with your soul where they have the direct access to tell you you know what they've been hinting for you all along that you might have missed in your life like daily life before we leave i just wanted to talk about how we got here this morning mm -hmm. okay so basically simi agreed to be my 10th guest and we a week ago we decided on a place and time well we got the time part correct mm -hmm. but the place was absolutely wrong i don't know how it could have happened but maybe mercury in retrograde which is where we're at right now i was running a bit late and then you know i was like oh my god i need to go to ken Locke's studio in order to have a chat with simi and then on the way here my taxi got a flat tire in a tunnel it was very dangerous and then finally i was able to get some help and find another taxi which got me from another part of town i did not expect to be in to be here which then cost like 44 dollars and 40 cents anyway i like the numbers like that uh, i was standing outside the studio door ring and the doorbell no one's answering it turns out sammy was actually at my studio <laughs> in another part of town probably ringing the doorbell no one was answering suffice to say we started two hours late and now there's like all of this noise in the background because ken Locke is actually ha hosting a, a class in another room meaning that look it's always good if life is synchronistic and perfect and stuff and i think Today, we really learned that crazy things can happen, mixed messages can happen. But the best thing that you can do for yourself is to say, well, this is going to be an interesting day. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an extra special day. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome because you know what? It makes meeting up. See, there's a motorcycle behind me now. <laughs> It makes meeting up, sitting down, and having a conversation that much sweeter yes. 
because everything is so salty and sour around us, it makes you appreciate when you can actually have a meeting of the minds and sitting down in the same space and having a conversation, knowing that life can throw curveballs at you at any time. I really love that. I really love that. Yes. What do I have to add on to that? Great, great closing. <laughs> you always, you know, in every situation, because life is only gonna get crazier and crazier in the time that we live in. But it's more and more important to realize consciously, you know, why we're creating that or attracting that to us. Because you know, law of attraction, that you're the creator that create your reality. And I think going forward in the new. World paradigm that we we are creating forward. It's like having a key. When you get to get access to knowing why you're creating what you're creating, you know if it's an obstacle or it's a blockage that stops you. It's actually a divine protection telling you, no, this is not the way to go forward. You know, it's maybe it's a cliff in front of you that you just don't see, but you should take the other way. It's like these soft and loving nudges, sometimes harder. To get you back to where you're supposed to be, and spirituality itself is actually introducing you to really connect back to this radar, this GPS system that is built in within you. That's called your heart, so that you always find your direction and you're you're never lost. You know, the moment you feel lost is a good reminder. From your heart to really look inside and see, maybe you need to change course. Maybe there's some you know lessons that you need to understand. Akasha records is one way, a great way to connect with yourself in this way to understand these things. Hypnotherapy is another, and Reiki is just overall sort of rejuvenation for your system so that you're more open to the connection with yourself. I really encourage everybody to explore you know the method that suits you and then look deeper into yourself. I promise it's a very interesting journey. So it's sometimes it's just a little challenge, and other times it's not. Maybe it's not even about us. It's just the circumstance yeah. and the promptings. And I think we arrive at the perfect space, yeah. which is the sacred space that Kenlock so kindly built. We thank Kenlock for that. And yeah, I mean, crazy things happen in the world. We need to laugh it off mm-hmm. and and be flexible. And obviously, when the messages keep you from doing something, then maybe. That's when you stop being flexible, and you have to mm-hmm. turn a corner. And maybe your heart is actually telling you to do something else. Mm-hmm. But my heart was telling me to be in this room with you and to have a chat. And I'm so happy we made you it. That. We made it happen despite all the odds. Thank you so much, Simi. We are going to have you back definitely for just more random conversations, yeah. which are going to be awesome. Thank you, JJ, for creating like listening to you, heart, and share the wisdom like this. Great podcast, seriously, it's amazing. So I think everyone should listen to every episode. Thank you, JJ. Aligned by Design was brought to you by Archipelago Media, a division of Archipelago Limited, Hong Kong. Our amazing theme music was composed for us by Ollie Shelton, a Brighton-based composer, producer, and pianist specializing in ambient, electronic, and alternative music. He is half of the UK duo Pella and works alongside a range of up-and-coming artists and established acts around the globe. You may contact him on Instagram at o underscore s underscore music and ollysheltonmusic.com. That's o l l y sheltonmusic.com. You may contact me on Instagram at jj.acuna. That's at jj.acuna. 
You may also follow us on our new Instagram account for the podcast at Align by Design with JJ. That's at Align by Design with JJ. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank our guests and partners of the podcast. And as always, take time to align by your very own design, whatever that may be.